All right, if you are here, you are listening to an episode of Sky King's Mental Playground, Polkadot Kusama Web 3, and NFT Edition. So I've been running a podcast for a little over a year. We launched the first ever long-form podcast, NFT, with Bruno, who is episode one on this side of the world. And the entire time, it's been an experiment on the business model of media. We are launching now because I am looking for a technical co-founder. And so I'm going to be putting out all of the episodes that we have focused on around Polkadot, around Kusama, around NFTs, and around Web3 onto this channel, which is free. The other ones were behind a paywall because I do believe media should be paid for. But this is going to be an opportunity to connect, get more audience members, you know, just decrease the friction to listen. If you want to hear the other episodes, we've had some amazing guests, everybody from, you know, Professor Robin Hansen, Chris Williamson, um, a bunch of solo casts, Q&As, stuff like that. You can go to skmp.supercast.com. But, and without further ado, if you would like to build a company, one that is focused on changing the business model of media, one that leverages the power of Web3, but has a UX and experience that feels very native and easy to use. I have a vision for something I am calling Stoa, and I need your help to build it. So I'm going to drop a link right in the description. If you're interested or anybody you know who you think would be a good fit, even just to have a conversation and to learn more, you can hit that link, fill out the form, and we will be in touch Welcome to this episode of Sky King's Mental Playground. Stability. Don't take yourself too seriously. We stand Sky on Sky King's Mental Playground. The only loss Breathe. in life is not realizing Build the world you want to see. Yeah. Sky King's Mental Playground. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Sky King's Mental Playground. Uh, Going to be doing another solo cast today. This one is a very important one. This is meant to serve as a lighthouse a siren's call to a technical co-founder i am looking for someone who knows javascript and another language if possible um who has a bunch of experience uh in this space and who is absolutely obsessed with media and the idea that if we can change the business model of media we can fundamentally shift our experience on this earth Even if you have just an itching that that is you, I highly recommend you listen to this. If you have a friend who uh, you think would be good and you listen to this and it sounds like something they are obsessed with, please share it along because I do think that what we are building with Stoa will will revolutionize a few things. One, it'll, it'll shift how we monetize media which will shift how we experience the world. I'll go into that a little bit deeper lately. Two, it'll give creators the true opportunity to monetize in a way that is efficient, effective, and synergistic with the consumer. And three, I think it'll be a lot more fun for everybody. Uh, if you have the On Me Park plan or above, please, please, please go ask me something on the AMA within Supercast. Uh, I'll make sure to put the link in the description of this podcast. You can just hit it real quick, hit your questions, and I'll be submitting those soon. 
So as soon as you list or as soon as you submit them, I'll be answering them. It is going to be super fun down to talk about literally anything. So just throw it out there. Obviously, super into uh, crypto and media models right now. That being said, a lot of the topic of this podcast will be, you know, about the tension between centralized and decentralized systems. You know, I've not slowed down on any any China related issues. Been reading this book, um, Dang, about Deng Xiaoping, and it's absolutely mind boggling. Communism is a strange thing. One one of the more interesting things about communism, real quick on a tangent, is that it it makes it so that there's only really one game. In capitalism, you know, there's millions of games. The money game allows it to, you know, you can be interested in whatever part of the money game that you want. But in communism, there's really only one game in town, and that's politics. And it is, uh, it's just interesting to read through the experiences of leaders trying to rise through the ranks and what they have to go through and how they have to think uh, in order to do that. So... We can talk about that more later. Without further ado, the myth of Stoa. In ancient Athens, the philosopher Zeno needed a place to speak with his followers. Zeno wanted a sacred mantle that could support him in teaching the holy virtues of his philosophy. The four tenets of Stoicism. Wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation. Deep in the heart of Athens, he found that platform that would support the birth of his school. The platform was the Stoa. It's actually the Stoa Pokolai. I actually have no idea how to say that. I don't know Greek. And it was the foundation on which he built the most impactful, practical philosophy in Western culture. Stoicism. We have built our society and communities on broken and sick platforms. Now more than ever, we need the Stoa as a base to support the concepts that make Western liberal ideals crucial for continuing consciousness. Stoa is that platform. Welcome to the modern Stoa. There are many things wrong with the current media system. However, after extensive analysis, I believe the broken monetization model of media is at the core of our issues. We now have the tools to change that. And no longer do creators need to pimp out their audience to brands they don't truly support. We can solve this problem and in doing so, change the world. So right now, we live in a world where we have an inefficient, uh, to say the least, I would say an elegant business model that is the basis of most creation in the artistic medium. This business model has brought us to a place where we have optimized for fear and division. We have undersold our most valuable resource, which is focus time. And I know I went into this a little bit on the last solo cast, but I just want to, I really want to just double down on that because when you start to do some of the math, it gets astounding and i know we did we did the math for what that episode i would have done how much that would have how much time that would have taken but let's take someone a bit more prominent but again this is just one podcaster this isn't every tv ad that's gone out in our lifetime this isn't every radio ad read across the nation this isn't every single podcast ad that's just been done this is a conservative look at one podcaster that is mr joe rogan 
Joe Rogan is on episode 1739. Conservatively, I would say he does about 10 minutes of ads per podcast. He usually has four to five. He can run on a bit, so they could be 90 seconds to two minutes um, or greater. But we'll just go 10 minutes of ads per podcast. And let's just go, you know, some of his older episodes probably didn't get as much. They usually do now. I believe he's often getting up in the 11 million space. We'll just say he does 2 million downloads an episode on average. So 2 million episodes with 10 minutes of ads per episode at 1,739 episodes divided by 60 seconds. So this is for uh, the amount of minutes in an hour divided by 24, the amount of hours in a day divided by 365, the amount of days in a year. The collective advertisements that have gone on to Joe Rogan. It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling, to be honest. But the collective advertisements that have gone on to Joe Rogan have <laughs> are, as a society, as a whole, have accounted for 66,000 years. We have wasted 66,000 years of focused time on me undies, fleshlight on it, which, you know, I am grateful for. <laughs> Athletic greens and a bunch of shit that, who knows? Honestly, who knows? This is, this is time we could be spending with our kids. This is time we could be getting valuable content from the creator. On the reverse side of that, Joe has spent, you know, 170, what is that? What's 10 times 173? 17,000? Let's see how, how much time Joe has spent here. 1739 times 10, 17,390 minutes divided by 60. So Joe has spent almost a year of his life recording ads, and that is thinking he gets it done on the first time immediately off the bat, which knowing how podcast ads go, that is not the case. <sighs> All right. So we have undersold our most valuable resource. We have monopolized the smartest of our generation to focus on website click optimization. I won't belabor that point. I went into a little bit before, but I truly believe that like we have sequestered over the last 15 years literally the brightest minds of our generation have and ha have paid them crazy amounts so that they are golden handcuffed into working on problems that do not matter and are actually not in alignment with the goals and the outcomes that we want as a society. And we have hyper-centralized this control of our attention. So what am I talking about? I am talking about advertising. I am talking about the business model of advertising. The one where the prostitute is the consumer, the pimp is the creator, and the John is the brand. And with Stoa, we no longer need rent-seeking intermediaries in the creator space. We no longer need to undersell the most valuable assets of the creators and the consumers. We can build something more. We'll do this by... And this is, this is interesting, right? So like if you actually look at, if you look at a curve and a demand curve, which is basically a curve sloping from, if you have your, if you have your axis on the left and then on the bottom. So a demand curve usually slopes from 
close into the left, down, curves down, and then goes close into the right. So it's tiny little curve. And if you do the, if you look at the, uh, the area under that curve, that is considered revenue in a demand curve. With the advertising model, it's so inefficient and effective. We capture so little of that. But if we can find ways to create a synergistic relationship, and that's how I'm, what I'm about to go into, we can actually start to capture more of the demand curve, which is going to generate so much more revenue for it. And so that's what we are doing with Stowe. We are, we are creating a system that gamifies content, that gets you to play, quote unquote, play content, participatory in the experience of the creator and to almost create a flywheel where the incentive of the consumer is the same in the creator. And that is to get more consumers and to get more eyeballs on the content. So how are we doing this? Stoa is a live streaming audio podcasting platform that allows creators and listeners to auto mint the content as NFTs. Think clubhouse that becomes a podcast, but built on web three with the ability to where the creator can do what I call, or the consumer can do what I call, meme farming. So what they can do with the meme farming is they can say, you're listening to this podcast, and you heard me just say meme farming, you would press mint. You would pay me a small minting fee, which we can go into economics later, but a small minting fee. And then it would, you know, whenever you want to stop, whenever this stops being fired, you just want the meme, meme farming section, you would stop minting. And then you would actually own that, that, that portion of the content the image plus the audio and it would go on to into the marketplace which also serves as discoverability so what this automatically does i am no this is a fundamental shift i am no longer selling your attention like i'm starting to value your ultimate resource you're actually now paying me for the media i created and then you are owning it and becoming a contributor, a team member, a true part of a community of a piece of content that you enjoyed and now have the opportunity to get financial incentives off of it. So you're no longer selling your time to be sold ads. You are now selling your time to actually get money back, to potentially make more money than what you know than what your time is worth which is very very difficult people don't understand that enough don't need to go into that tangent but the opportunities are there and that that fundamental shift i honestly think and that's that's just the beginning that is just one small thing we're working on here but that alone changes the dynamic the relationship do you understand what i'm saying when i say the pimp the prostitute and the john right now you are being trojan horsed Often content that you're listening to is only there because there are ads that were already sold and it needed to be created. Like that is a tragedy. Now, creators can go out and can create whatever they want and you as a consumer can choose what you love. You can own it. You can resell it. You can hype it up. You can burn it if you don't want the world to see it. But you, as a consumer, now are facing the same direction as the creator, as opposed to being sold something that you never asked for, and is honestly something you're probably not interested in. So after the live stream, it becomes a podcast, and this can be listened to on Stoa or on any other podcasting platform. We'll use a normal RSS thing. But that'll, again, that'll be more just like the audio version of it, and more into the old system. Need to have that for discoverability. So it must be live streamed so that we can build a gamified monetization system around the content. 
Live streaming audio allows us to have content-based prediction markets. Boom, part two. Second monetization model really, really interested in. And this is something I'm thinking through a bit more. I'm not a gambler, but this is really where the gamification comes. And I think that it's something we need to start to see in the world. Similar to sports betting, I believe there's a way where we can start to have prediction markets on content so that people are actually betting. You know, the consumers are there in the live stream. The fans are there and they're excited and they decide to bet on the content. It could be who the guest is going to be on this episode. It could be, do they ask a certain question? It has to be something that's verifiable and the group can come in and verify it. And that goes deeper into the tokenomics, which we will not talk about now in the governance of the on-chain governance. But this just gives, again, an opportunity for creators to make more money and for consumers to get in on the game and to actually leverage their knowledge. If you're the greatest Joe Rogan fan in the world and you've listened to every single one of his episodes right now, you've amassed a lot of knowledge about Joe that unless there's like a Joe Rogan trivia at a bar is not very valuable, but it should be because you spend your time and you should be able to, you should be able to reap rewards for that commitment. And this is giving you that. It also, the NFT aspect of this does something else that I think is super important. And another reason why it must be done on Web3. I, uh, when I was working for Aubrey Marcus uh, back in 20, 2018, maybe it was 2019, I got this email from someone. They just got my email because uh, it was like something on it or um, somehow they were put in touch with me. And this is back in 2019. The email was 11 minutes of Joe Rogan video looking exactly like him saying, having a conversation that he never had. None of it was something he had said. Everything was AI generated. It looked exactly like him. It was the greatest deep fake I've ever seen. That is something that, you know, now we're two years later, like it's insane what is going on right now. Viacom just did an offer for Matt Stone and Trey Parker to keep them through 2027 uh, doing South Park. They were given $900 million by Viacom. They're going to use a large portion of that money to do a deep fake movie. Like the technology is here. Uh, it is something that it, it is absolutely something that is going to shift the reality of the world. And I, I believe that when it comes, when the old media system continues to fail, it will behave like the bar log on the bridge of Casa Duman, where it took down Gandalf. So for those who aren't hyper nerds would have seen the movie, the scene where Gandalf disappears for a bit okay like i guess he technically dies um but he comes back so the scene where gandalf is taken down by that crazy monster the monster falls and then it like whips up and grabs his foot and pulls him down and into it and i believe that is like how the old media system will will behave and we need to protect ourselves like they're going to use deep fakes they're going to use whatever they can you've seen this with what they have done this year they will take everything out of context. They will use deep fakes will not be below their will not be punching below the belt in their mind. And we need to we need to fix this. And the way we can do this is through the blockchain. So through minting 
when you mint this content on this platform, it actually validates that the content came from the consumer. Sorry, came from the creator, came from who actually said it. And that is something that is going to be, isn't, isn't quite here yet, but is going to probably be one of the most valuable aspects of this platform. If we can just do that, that little shift, and this has actually worked out in reality. Audrey Tong, one of the women who, um, who this platform is, is really built in mind with, and one of the people who, if you go and subscribe to Sky King's Mental Playground, has a piece of content. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, not a piece of content. Has a, a plan named after her actually validated this concept and one of the things that taiwan does is instead of having kind of like we had during a lot of the covid spare uh, covid time on the on instagram it's like the cdc actually says this what they did is they said like the original source of this content came from and it would be you know a toilet paper manufacturer and that's how they're able to avoid this massive toilet paper scare where a lot of the memes were actually being pushed Back in, back in 2020, March 2020, the memes were actually being pushed and created by toilet paper companies to scare people into going and buying more toilet paper. So they didn't have that massive thing that we did because they just actually had it say, this meme is actually found to have originated by a manufacturer. Or, and they, they have this ability because they've been fighting the propaganda of, this, of the Chinese Communist Party like so aggressively for so long. But if we can do that, could you imagine if all... Like one of the things that, you know, is talked about a lot is this Internet Research Agency and how it impacted the 2016 election. You know, a very popular stat. I haven't looked into it today, but like something about like 19 or 18 of the top 20 Facebook, Christian Facebook groups on Facebook right now are coming from a Ukrainian troll farm or some Eastern European troll farm. If we could just sh- like have a little badge that says this content originated from Russia, China, the U.S., um, Wendy's then we would have such a better ability for sense-making in this world. And through the blockchain, like that is, I think, incredibly, incredibly uh, possible to do because uh, the federal government calls Bitcoin and blockchain in general uh, criminal futures. You know, a lot of people think they can just go and bury money in a wallet and it won't be found. There is a, a ledger, a public ledger of every transaction that has ever happened on the blockchain. For unless you have, unless it's not, you know, unless it isn't following like pure blockchain principles, that exists. So what this is, is it actually allows us to see if we see a wallet associated with the Kremlin and we see money going from that wallet to smaller wallets, smaller wallets, smaller wallets. We can track that all the way to whoever is actually minting and creating these memes, whoever the creator is publishing that without without even verifying their identity, without knowing who they are. We can see that they are getting an insane amount of money from the Kremlin from a wallet we know associated with the Kremlin or the CCP or the NRA or for whatever content you want it to be. And now we can start to have true transparency. And this transparency allows for freedom of speech to continue to exist because it gives the listener the, the tools in which to make sense of the content that, of which they see. Whereas before, you don't know who is paying a lot of the media people. You know, you can assume, okay, Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. They're probably not going to print anything negative about Jeff Bezos. But you don't know who, who is actually paying for this and who is giving them all the money they are. Now it's going to be completely transparent and we will build tools on top of it so that people can, with ease of use, understand where the money is coming from and have transparency in this market so that, so that the consumer can make sense of what is going on. 
All right, you can tell I'm pretty hyped about this stuff. Uh, we have a little bit more to talk about, though. So you aren't going to beat Facebook with Patreon. And this is where I've loved that, you know, that Supercast exists. I love that Substack exists. I love that Patreon exists. But you are never going to beat Facebook with Patreon. It is too addicting. It is too much. We have too little discoverability. And that's where we are actually changing the world. I wish we could just do, a, uh, I wish people would just pay straight up for, for media. I wish that could just happen. But I think that's a fool's errand when really what we can do is we can create something that's so much stronger than that, has such a psychological stronger toll, and is honestly more addicting, but in a positive way. And so that's what this gamification of content is. We're going to do that right now in the beginning through miming of, mining of memes in the meme farmers, prediction markets on content. And finally, the first thing that I want to add is emoting. So if you're in crypto, you know Discord emoting. You know how much of a culture there is around that. If you're not in crypto but have ever done Twitch, you know how valuable it is for the community and how much people really love to be able to be the people who are gifting these crazy emoticons. And if you are in China and you've ever used the biggest podcasting platform in the world, Himalaya, or Chimalaya, I believe is the pronunciation in China, then you know how powerful this can be. So when I say emoting, I mean little emojis. And we're going to use emoting in two ways. One, you'll have to actually, when you emote something or even comment, you will actually have to submit a small amount of in-game play token that has actual financial ties to it. That is one way for the creator to monetize their media. The second thing it does, though, is it actually allows, depending on what your emoji is, and we're going to have specific categories of emojis, Depending on what your emoji is, it actually allows us to create discoverability and to understand where the content is valued and what content is the best content for which category of things. So say we're listening to, uh, we'll just keep with Rogan. I know not everybody loves him, but it's just easy because it's the metaphor we've been going with. Let's say we're talking about Rogan. Let's say he has Jocko on. They start going in on, on working out and you feel like it's super motivating. It's this 10 minute clip of just motivation. And you and a bunch of people start to hit Joe Rogan's emoji for motivation, which is a kettlebell. And you just start to crush that, crush that, crush that, crush that. Since that is in alignment with the, uh, what other people are saying and the content that's being created, you will actually get airdropped algorithmically rewards at certain points, kind of like a video game. When you run in and you get the boss battle, you get experience points, you get what is supposed, you get rewarded by doing the thing the game wants you to do you would get rewarded more in gameplay tokens. So again, it's another way for you to, you know, at certain levels, win back some revenue, get seen by the creator and help them monetize their platform. And the on top of benefit is this is what we're going to use when somebody owns that clip and mints that clip and it goes into the marketplace. The marketplace then becomes a discoverability feature. So what, what I mean by that is if we throw in discoverability. So instead of feeding you some crazy algorithm that we're doing a bunch of stuff on the back end, it's actually going to be uh, consumer-led. So these clips, let's say if I want to go work out now and I need a 10-minute podcast clip to get me fucking hyped, I go and I just press, again, the category for motivation, hit it. Mine won't be a kettlebell. It'll be whatever I want it to be, but my motivation, my category for motivation, I hit it. And I just get a feed of, of the clips with the most DAO raised, the most of this token raised on this category across all podcasts. And because Rogan's audience is strong, 
it's going to be, let's say that one with Jocko and Rogan come up, and I just put it on, start listening, start my run, and I am just hyped. So there are a lot, a lot of deep psychological gamification going on there, a lot of community building, a lot of opportunity for creation. This is not going to be something that brings people, you know, back to nature. This is definitely going to be something that, you know, incentivizes, I would say, like addictive behavior. But I don't mean that in a bad way because I fundamentally believe that if we have people creating for the right reasons, then we will actually get content that makes us better and not worse. That optimizes for things that we want in our lives. So when you finish that motivation piece, you you feel better and you work out harder. When you go to a relationship one and you watch that clip, because that's what you felt like you needed in that moment, you feel like you can love more honestly. You can look your partner in the eye and have experiences with them. Like This is where we are going to actually change how the algorithm shows because we are going to incentivize people to categorize the content correctly, which will then allow us to show people the content that they can have a conscious decision in wanting, as opposed to just being fed stuff by an opaque algorithm. We are playing content, and in doing so, we are creating a create-to-earn economy, and a consume-to-earn economy. We are building an economy where we are paying for the most valuable resource, our time. And in doing so, we are going to realize Kevin Kelly's 1,000 true fans, the, the KPIs for STOA. We aren't going after the Joe Rogans. We aren't going after the Dax Shepherds, Tim Ferrisses. There are millions of podcasters and only the top 1% have enough of a fan base to make $100,000 a year on right now. And the reason why is back to that demand curve I talked about. Advertising as a business model has the least amount of revenue captured. The least. Substack, you know... Some of these other things have a little bit more revenue captured. The area under the curve is a bit bigger. But when we can do this tiered pricing model where people can get in wherever they want to get in and get the value where they want to get valued and then also be synergistic in their relationship and increase the value of the content by sharing it, engaging with it, getting more fans in, we can now start to capture the full area under the revenue curve. And with that, our vision is we are going to focus on podcasters with 1,000 fans or less. These are people that I already have tools to have the emails for. These people are very easy to find. Luckily, Apple gives us exactly who they are. Um, But we want them to make $100,000 a year, which, you know, if you have 1,000 people, it gets up to be like $8.50 a month, $8.50 a month, which we think we can do so much more. KPI number two, 
10,000 podcasters with 1,000 or fewer fans making 100K a year. KPI number three, 100,000 podcasters with 1,000 or fewer fans making $100,000 a year. KPI number four, 1 million podcasters, half the podcast market with 1,000 or fewer fans making $100,000 a year. It's clear. I believe that we can do this. And I believe that podcasting is the space to do this. I believe that with STOA, we can fundamentally shift this, this experience on this earth. I am a, I've always been one obsessed with Blade Runner, with cyberpunk, with sci-fi. And in a lot of these future worlds, the thing that always sucks the most is you have this crazy crazy dystopia that is based on advertising you just see these neon signs of advertising everywhere advertising being in your dreams advertising being showing up to use anything that you do this free model where you are becoming enslaved and don't have actually any value creation and your value is being undersold like crazy Like this is such a common dystopian narrative and this is going to be the reality if we allow Facebook to take over the metaverse. This is what they are building. For those of you who don't know, the metaverse is just a play for Facebook to own hardware. Which is tragic because for me, it it gives the opportunity for anyone to be whoever they want to be. It it, It allows people to be themselves at a level that, you know, over half the world doesn't necessarily recognize. That is, that is the beauty to me of what the metaverse is, of what Web3 can create, of why we need pseudonymity. Is because we can allow, you know, women in Saudi Arabia to do way more than they possibly can. We can allow gay people in Palestine to have their own internet content on being a homosexual and have no one know, no one the wiser. We can allow Moala to go to school without having to get shot in the head. We can do this. If we protect people's data, if we value it accurately. Thank you guys for being early to the party. Thank you for listening to this. Sorry I had a little bit of some stutterings in there, especially around the Viacom stuff. Uh, I just wanted to double check some of my info and what I was told is inaccurate, but still fascinating. They're going to spend that 900 million or a large portion of it on, uh, on deep fakes. Originally I was told they were getting paid 900 million to make a deep fake. Uh, but this is a bit of a, uh, the homie Graham. It's the day after Thanksgiving. Homie Graham has stuff to do. I need to get this out. Um, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. I hope this has been valuable. My only ask is, uh, you know, keep thinking deeply of what this means. Look, look at where you're being sold stuff constantly. Ask the question of who is paying for the content if I am not. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I appreciate you very much. Deuces. Deuces.